0: listeners. Welcome back. Hi Jenny. Hi listeners. Hello everybody. A few years ago we had the privilege of chatting with our secondary math team here at CNUSD and we are back talking math in our elementary setting. This amazing trio is going to share advice to teachers and parents on how to support our students with growth mindset and productive struggle. We have heard many concerns about math. I mean, it's just so different from what we all experience. And it's getting harder and harder to help my second grader. Let's listen in and see what advice we can learn from these fabulous teachers. Hello, I am here with some of my favorite educators. They are teachers on assignment and instructional coaches here in Corona Norco Unified School District, Um, and they work with math and the Littles, our elementary students. Uh, let's go around and briefly introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm Paru Kwikowski.
0: Hello, I'm Patricia Karchmar. Hello, I'm Tiffany Vosburg. Thank you so much for being here today. Here we are, we've been in the Common Core era for a few years now, and we're still hearing those complaints and concerns. What is your favorite Common Core math misconception?
1: I think that one of the things that we've encountered is parents and guardians struggling to help their child with their homework. And if they've never been taught the Common Core way, then they don't understand how their child is learning math. Some of the school sites have been doing this. They offer parent nights where they can show parents how to best support their child at home with homework. Another way that schools can do this is also follow up using social media. Social media is a great way to make contact with not only parents and guardians, but also the community and to help them understand how to better support uh, children with the math in Common Core and the way they're learning in the classrooms today.
2: My favorite concern is the idea that my kids can't do that. They believe that Common Core is too hard for their students. Um, our students are able to rise to the expectations if we hold them accountable to it. Um, it's important that we develop a growth mindset not only for our students but for our teachers and our parents. Joe Bowler, a professor at Stanford, um it says that all students have the ability to learn high levels of math, and it's up to us as teachers and parents to really instill that belief into our students that they can do it. Um, and learning requires that productive struggle, and we need to model that struggle for our students.
3: We often hear people say, Why do students have to learn math in this way? Or I learned the standard algorithms, and I turned out okay. We have to look at the history of school and how the world has changed in the past hundred years to really answer that question. We used to tell students that we needed to be able to calculate math quickly and accurately because we don't walk around with a calculator in our pocket. However, today that's exactly what we do. It's no longer about doing the math. No person can calculate as quickly or accurately as a computer. However, computers are not very good at problem solving. Thinking critically, reasoning, communicating and collaborating. These are the skills employers value in the 21st century. And when we engage students in the standards for mathematical practice, we are building those behaviors. This is how Common Core Math prepares students to be
0: college and career ready. If a parent were to walk into a math lesson at an elementary school, what would we expect to see? And how would that be different than a math lesson that they may have had in school? One would expect to walk into a classroom and
1: see that it's very noisy and probably a bit chaotic. Upon a deeper look, however, one would see that students are working in groups, engaged in discussion, and how to solve problems efficiently. They are sharing ideas, understanding, and building on one another's thinking. As they solve problems, there there are a variety of manipulatives available to them um, to use as tools to help them with understanding themselves as well as explaining it to others. One would also hear or see problems solved different ways and students making sense of and understanding the different ways. Students have choice in how they solve problems and would be solving fewer problems that are rich and meaty versus you know, problems that are what we call naked, where it's like um, digits that are being added together or multiplied together. Now we're talking about more real-world problems. Um, Everything I've mentioned has been student-centered, as a math classroom should be, but what is the teacher doing? So the teacher is the facilitator at this point, and they're basically a model of mathematical learning. He or she is walking around the room observing and listening to students and asking probing questions to further understand students' thinking and possibly help them move through something they may be struggling with. He or she provides the classroom environment that is safe for students to freely share their ideas. There is structure for how to respond to each other respectfully, where mistakes are valued and learned from. Again, manipulatives are easily available for them to use around the classroom. You will see a lot of talking, a lot of discussion, a lot of discourse, a lot of rich thinking.
0: Which was probably different than sit in our rows and be quiet and listen to the teacher present.
1: Yes, and when all of us were in school ourselves, it was an I do, we do, you do model where the teacher would show us how to do a problem and then there would be 20 plus problems to actually duplicate how that teacher actually did it, whether we understood it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't about understanding the math. It was more about doing the math. Um, It was also about being fast. Speed was valued more than understanding was. And so a lot of people um, who think that They're not math people because they're not as fast as other people. They don't uh, do it as quickly. They don't understand it as quickly. They may have that attitude like, I'm just not a math person. Whereas in the Common Core era, now you know we have opened it up to more people because we value the way everyone thinks. It's not just one way of thinking. Now the lessons are basically, we do, we do, we do. A teacher would actually pose a problem, the whole group would actually try and understand the problem together, and then they would work individually or in groups on the problem, come together as groups, and solve the problem, present the problem to the whole entire class. The class then has to try and understand it. Now the the groups that are pretty much presenting, for example, would be selected strategically by the teacher to lead the whole class to the goal of the lesson. So the lesson is very different from what we were used to. So it's kind of like releasing the students to do the math and then coming together and summarizing what they've learned.
0: You would mentioned that some people don't consider themselves a math person because they can't do it quickly. And that really reminds me of my own son. Um, I have a seventh grader, but I, I remember when he was in first grade, he'd come home, proudly say, I'm a mathematician, mom. And I remember thinking how how wonderful that he does have like this great view of himself as someone able to do math because probably I said aloud and said to myself internally many times, uh, you know, I'm not a math person, I'm a language arts person. That really makes me think, like, what should we as parents and families and educators do to create those positive math mindsets in our kiddos?
3: I see this happen all the time. Kids are naturally curious and excited about math from an early age. And then by the time they get to middle school, we've sucked the math passion right out of them. This happens when math becomes a series of procedures and practice worksheets, and it's viewed as a boring procedural subject rather than actually a visual and creative subject that it really is. Um, Students develop math identity as early as first grade. And once they reach secondary school, it becomes increasingly difficult to change that math identity. I will hear adults say, I am no good at math or I couldn't do math either. Why is that acceptable? No one would ever say, I can't read. This meant the message we send to our children and students about our own ability to do math, or how we feel about math affects our children's own math identity. As adults, we need to examine our identity and beliefs about math. Perhaps we've had some negative experiences like you have, Kay, in learning math ourselves. Both parents and teachers should portray math in a positive way. We should connect math to the real world, use accessible but rigorous problems to engage all learners, value the thinking over the answers, embrace productive struggle and revision of ideas. Our own mindset about math as parents and educators is as important as building a growth mindset in our children and students. Also, we should think about the feedback that we give. Do we tell our children you are so smart? At some point, that child is going to come across something he or she can't do suddenly he thinks he's not so smart anymore. If we instead offer praise for effort and perseverance and provide specific feedback on what a child is doing well as well as suggestions for what they might try next, or even a question to think about, we are valuing learning as a process rather than as an end result.
0: We're so excited. Our next question is actually a lightning round. We, this is our second ever lightning round um, how it will work. We're going to ask each of you three questions and you're just going to respond quickly in a sentence or two and we will make sure we get to all of you. Are you ready? Peru. what are your favorite go-to resources for educators, families, and students? So one of them is Fostering Math
1: Practices, um, the Routines for Reasoning, And, and they put out a book as well as a website. So the website's called Fostering Math Practices, and then the Routines for Reasoning are routines that teachers can use in the classroom to help students access the mathematics. Patricia? Graham Fletcher. It's gfletchy.com. He has
2: a variety of resources from progression videos to three-act tasks to games that you can play in school and at home that support K8. Tiffany.
3: Mine would have to be Joe Bowler's website, ucubed.org. It contains lots of resources for both parents and students, including a free online course for students that
0: helps students build a growth mindset towards mathematics. Okay, we're going to definitely put links to those on our show notes page. Second question, how can families foster a love of mathematics outside of school? I'm going to switch it up. Tiffany, you're first. I would say modeling a growth
3: mindset about mathematics, being very aware of your own thinking, and the way that you talk about mathematics.
2: Bringing math to the real world. So having those informal conversations when you are at a grocery store or when you're cooking dinner, talking about math, talking about how you use math on an everyday basis.
1: True. Valuing mathematical thinking. Um, Mistakes are okay, and we learn from them, and problem solving is a natural part of everyday life
0: great third question if you had one wish for math in schools what would it be Patricia
2: I think time the gift of time really allowing the teachers to have that time to understand the math and really plan
1: for those rigorous activities instructional time um, building on what Patricia said it is really important that we allow um, enough time for instruction with students Right now, 60 minutes is ideal, 60 minutes or more, and a lot of our classrooms only really have ideally 45 minutes, bell to bell.
3: Math needs to be fun. It needs to be fun from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, so using problems that engage students that are relevant, that are accessible
0: to all students, however still contain rigor. With so many changes to 21st century education and learning, what advice can you give to teachers or families to try tomorrow, to try this week, and to try this month?
3: Well, tomorrow, I would suggest that parents and teachers go onto the com website and watch one of the short progressions videos.
2: This week, teachers should read their California Framework. And that's the California Mathematics Mathematics Framework. It'll go in-depth into their standards. And also relate the math practice standards to their specific grade levels.
0: And they can find that on the California Department of Ed website. Yeah,
2: or just just Google Google California Mathematics Framework, and it'll be one of the first ones that pops up. And it's um, separated by chapters, so they can go straight to
0: their grade level. What about for
2: parents? Parents can play um, games, whether it's board games or card games, with their children.
0: How about this month? Teachers can try
1: to incorporate rich math tasks that are open-ended, that are low-floor, high-ceiling type of questions, that are accessible to all students in their classroom. Parents can go ahead and practice growth mindset. Think about how you're responding to your child. Think about, you know, questions that would... Um, further your child's thinking and problem solving. These are things that um, are valued in mathematics instruction, so this can help your child grow.
0: Well, thank you so much for giving us your time here today to share with us all the wonderful ways that families can support our children and that educators can support our students. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you for letting us be here today. Yes. I think we could all use some work on our math mindsets. Being a little more positive and watching what we say about who we are as learners of math can go a long way. Okay, let me try it. I am good at math. You know, it feels weird. I think you missed the point. Anyway, our episode references many math resources, and we will be sure to link those resources on our show notes page. So check them out. If you fear math or struggle with math... We want to encourage you to reconsider how you view math and start practicing that growth mindset with yourself and your kids. We thank you for listening to another episode of CNUSD EdChat. We have more motivating and thought-provoking episodes available now on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to share these episodes with an educator or family member. This episode was co-produced by Kim Kemmer, Jenny Cordura, and me, Kate Jackson, and edited by Ken Pucci. See you next time. Bye. Bye.